house uh, wearing regular shoes. Say amen. <laughs> Uh, six weeks, four, five, six weeks, we were going through the book of Revelation dressed up as the Apostle John. I'm glad to be here in street clothes. Amen. Uh, one thing I did learn from all of that, uh, besides the information that we covered in, in the book of Revelation, one thing I learned about going to church, uh, you don't know what you have till you don't have it anymore. Uh, I was I was sitting in that room right there before every service. I'd stay in that room because I was, you know, uh, had my little outfit on and and I didn't want to come out here till till it was time so so I was in the in the room there and man I'd hear the singing out here and boy I wanted to be out here I wanted to be in it I mean it's it's one thing I, I see sometimes I see people just come in and they 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 don't think the singing's important oh hey we ju we're just coming in for the preaching no 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 you're missing it you're missing it. I don't come to hear preaching I come to worship. Now, if I get to preach and if I get to hear preaching, that's wonderful. That's a part of it. But we come to meet in the presence of God. And we should come before his presence with singing and praise and thanksgiving. And, and, and a lot of times we don't, get, we don't get the full impact of the worship because we're only getting half of it. And the best way we can, and, and let me tell you, I know how difficult that is because as a pastor, I want to know everything's going right. I, don't want, I want to make sure everything's flowing right, make sure the parking lot's okay and all this stuff. So in my mind on Sunday mornings, I got 5,000 things going through my mind. And you know, there's sometimes I got to mentally check out of all that stuff and come in here and only think about Jesus. And you, sometimes you have to do that on purpose. Sometimes you got to forget, right, listen, the bills are going to be there tomorrow. Uh, whatever we're waiting on, all that can wait. For one hour of my day, I'm going to give Jesus my undivided attention. Can we give him praise and glory right there? Amen. Amen. I want to I wanna share this morning just a, a few thoughts this morning uh, on the subject of dreaming. Dreaming. Dream on dream on here's the thing I, I, i'm primarily i'm primarily targeting the young people i'm primarily targeting the young people but this is not just for the young people I, I wanted to do this last week but we was in the middle of revelation there so so we have a lot of graduates that are uh getting their diploma yesterday today and throughout the week and and i want them to know god's got a plan for their life God's got a wonderful destiny and plan, a dream for their life that they can accomplish. I mean, God has a big deal for you. But you're never too old to dream. Amen. You're never too old to dream. You're never too old to accomplish your dream. Uh, do you know Colonel Sanders was way up in years before he sold his fried chicken? And it turned out finger-licking good. Amen. <laughs> so don't ever think you're too old to dream. Amen. This is going to cover everybody. All right. Uh, Genesis chapter 37 in verse number two. Have you found your spot? It says, these are the generations of Jacob. Joseph being 17 years old was feeding the flock with his brethren. And the lad was with the sons of Bilhah and with the sons of Zilpah, his father's wives. And Joseph brought his father their evil report. Now Israel loved Joseph more than all his children because he was the son of his old age and he made him a coat of many colors. When his brethren saw that their father loved him more than all his brethren, they hated him and could not speak peaceably unto him. Read it with me. And Joseph dreamed a dream. Say it again. And, 
and he told it his brethren, and they hated him yet the more. They hated him yet the more. Father, thank you, Lord, for your blessings, your mercy, your kindness. Thank you for being good to us, Lord, today. Thank you for the worship and the wonderful singing and the spirit that has fell in this place. Thank you for those down in the rock who've, uh, who've made available room up in this building so that others can come to know you as their Savior. Father, I pray that you'll bless us now. Bless all the graduates this week and, uh, Lord, that are starting their journey out in the real world. I pray your will be done in their lives. In Jesus' name we all pray and all God's people say it. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. Here's what I'd like to do. Here's what I'd like to do this morning. Let me give you a brief synopsis of uh, the story and the life of Joseph. And uh, let, me, let me go through this, and then we will tell you what we learned from the story. So uh, most of you are familiar with it. Most of you are familiar with the coat of many colors and the life of Joseph and, and everything that happened in his life. But, but let me just briefly go through it, and then we'll talk about it, all right? Uh, we know Joseph was 17 years old. Uh, uh, he, was, he was the golden child. He was his father's favorite. Uh, uh, we know that he had a coat of many colors given to him by his father, and, uh, and, and, and his brothers didn't like him for it. So uh, God gives this young man a dream. He's 17 years old. He gets a dream that he's going to be a ruler. He's going to rule and reign over his brethren and even over his parents. Now, how many of y'all know, uh, uh, given a 17-year-old, that kind of dream is a little dangerous? Uh, most young men at 17 years old are not capable or uh, uh, really able to handle something of that magnitude. So I would imagine, I would imagine Joseph in his life, uh, that was a little tough to handle, especially coming from a 17-year-old to his parents. Well, they didn't like it. His brothers didn't like it. Uh, I mean, his brothers really didn't like it to the point they stripped him of his coat, beat him up, and put him in a pit. They put him in a pit and planned to kill him. I mean, he's sitting in the prison or in this pit, and they plan to kill him. But we know God intervenes, and they end up selling him to a slave trader, a Midianite slave trader who goes to Egypt. All right, uh, now I'm going to get I'm going to get killed. Well, they 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 don't kill me. That's great, but but now I'm going as a slave to a foreign country, to a, a place I don't know anything about. I don't know the culture. I don't know the language. I don't know anything about it. And I'm going to be a slave. What happened to my dream? Well, now he, he becomes a slave in Potiphar's house. And y'all know the story. Uh, uh, Potiphar's wife has an eye for him, and she starts lusting after him, wants him to, to, to be with her, and, and he refuses, and she lies about him, accuses him of attempted rape. I mean, it just goes from bad to worse. He, Potiphar's angry with him, throws him in prison. He's falsely accused. Now he's in prison with a dream. Now it seems like more like a nightmare. I mean, I go from the pit to Potiphar's house as a slave. Now I'm in the prison. Now, now here I am locked up for something that I didn't do. I just, I just did what was honorable and what was right, and I'm being punished for it. Please help me. And then you know the story. He interprets the dream. Now he's sitting in the palace. Now he's sitting in the palace. He's on the throne. Uh, he, he does a great deed. Uh, he rescues thousands and thousands of people, keeping them from starving to death. Uh, he plans and organizes during seven years of, of plenty. Uh, 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 to be ready for the seven years of famine. So, everybody, every, you know, happily ever after. What do we learn from that story? What can we take from this story that will help us in our life today? There were four things that God gave me to share with some graduates this week that I want to share with you today. And it's really important, and we need to get this. Number one, number one, what can we take from this story of Joseph that will help us in our life today? Number one, when it comes to your dream, 
When it comes to your dream, the God-given dream that God gave you, your, your, your ambition for life, what, what you are striving for, what you are hoping for in your life, when it comes to your dream, everybody is not going to be as excited about your dream as you are. Everybody is not going to be as excited about your dream as you are. His brothers hated him. I mean, his own family, his own family didn't like it. His parents didn't like it. And you know what I found out? In life, there will always be critics. There will always be critics. As long as there are human beings on this earth, there will be critics. Aristotle said this, and to avoid criticism, to avoid criticism, say nothing, know nothing, and do nothing, and you'll have no critics. Well, I say let's change that. I say let's give them something to talk about. Do you know nobody ever talked about Temple Baptist Church when we were 30 people? Nobody talked about us when we were this little church who did not accomplish anything, who had no influence uh, per se like it is now on the community. But as soon as we started growing, as soon as God started pouring his favor and his blessings upon this place, as soon as people started getting help and encouragement and families started to be put back together, as soon as we grew larger than them, here come the critics. We've been called the, the riff-raff church, the horn-tooting church, the compromising church, the liberal church. We've been called everything but God's church. Amen. That's fine. I can live with it. How about y'all? Seeing people saved, seeing people help, I can live with it. People, listen, the old saying, I'm going to get me a t-shirt. I've, I've seen other people wear it. Haters going to hate. Amen. Haters going to hate. Do you know criticism comes from insecure people? Criticism, all, criticism always comes from insecure people who are insecure about who you are compared to themselves. Let me give you, let me give you, <laughs> we're going to have fun today, ain't we? Amen. Do you realize, do you realize Lucille Ball, Lucille Ball was dismissed from drama school with a note that read, she's wasting her time because she's too shy to put her best foot forward. Lucille Ball. I love Lucy, you know. Y'all with me? The Beatles. Now, you may not, you may, you may not care about the Beatles' music, and, and, and that's okay, but the Beatles were turned down by Decca Recording Company, and they said, we don't like their sound, and guitar music is on its way out. The Beatles! How would you like to be the CEO that made that comment? Uh, Thomas Edison, this is what a teacher told him, one of the greatest inventors of all time. A teacher told him he was too stupid to learn anything and he should go into a field where he might succeed by virtue of his pleasant personality. How about this one? This is my favorite right here. Walt Disney. I go, uh-huh. I grew up two hours Two hours from Walt Disney. I'm talking about Disney World. Are y'all with me? Mickey Mouse and Minnie and Donald Duck and everything. Y'all, are y'all, y'all awake this morning? Walt Disney was fired from a newspaper because he lacked imagination and had no original ideas. <laughs> Haters gonna hate. Don't worry about it. 
say, how do I deal with critics in my life? Here's, here's a couple things. Here's a couple things that you can do when it comes to criticism. Because this is, this is really important. You need to be able to, to understand and recognize the difference between constructive criticism and destructive criticism. And a good way to identify the two, a good way to identify the two, constructive criticism is said to you. Destructive criticism is said to somebody else about you. Y'all with me? Now, you may be the critic in here. And if you're running your mouth about somebody else and not telling them, you need to hush. Because that's not constructive. Because if you're not speaking to the one that you're criticizing, you're a coward. I said it and I'll sign it. Amen. That's not constructive criticism. Listen, and, and by the way, let me say this. If you lend your ear to that person that's running their mouth about somebody else, don't you doubt they'll run their mouth about you to somebody else. What about this criticism thing? Here's the thing. If it's constructive criticism, we, we might need to pay attention because there are people who are smarter than we are. And I always want to be able to learn from somebody who's better at something than me. And when I go fishing with somebody who's better than me, I want to learn. I want to pay attention. When I go golfing with somebody who's better than me, I want to learn. I want to pay attention. They can tell me anything they want to tell me because I want to learn. Now, listen, if you're going to tell me how to play golf, you better beat my eyes out. Say amen. <laughs> Too many people are being, are being, are, are listening. Well, anyhow, I'm not even going to go there. That's, be careful who you get your advice from. Let me just say that. Uh, uh, but sometimes, sometimes criticism is good if it's constructive. And, and, and I remember, I remember when I was in Bible college, we'd have practice preaching. We'd have to, we'd have to get an outline together and, uh, and we'd have to stand and, and, and Dr. Brown would pass out critique sheets to every single person in the college. So you're standing up here and they got a piece of paper in them and they're not taking notes of your sermon. They're critiquing everything about you, uh, what, the way you look, uh, uh, the way your voice inflection is, uh, eye contact, uh, content of your sermon, all of these things. Why? Why would we go through it? That was torture. Say amen. Why would we do that? Because we want to get better. We want to work at things and get better. So all criticism is not bad. You need to learn the difference between constructive criticism and destructive criticism. Secondly, when you're, when, you're dealing with, when you're dealing with criticism, the second thing, don't take yourself too seriously. Don't take yourself too seriously. Learn to laugh at things. Learn to, we need to learn that some things are not the end of the world. You know, I, I, I like to play golf sometimes when I get a chance to, and I'm always, I'm always amazed, and it's always humorous to me at the amateur golfer. Now, I'm an amateur, so I don't want you to think I'm, I'm an amateur. I'm a weekend warrior, whatever you want to call it, but it always amazes me at the amateur golfers that get so upset, they play one time a year and think they're going to hit the ball like Arnold Palmer. And they make a bad shot and they cuss and raise cane and break their clubs and throw them in lakes and pond, and just like, like, what do you think is going to happen? You pick up the club one time a year and you think, and they get so, fr why? Because they're expecting more out of it than they should. Listen, if you only play golf one time a year, don't take it too seriously. Y'all with me? Learn 
Listen, learn to deal with things and have a sense of humor about things. When critics, listen, when they run their mouth, learn to, learn to laugh some things off because it's, it's inevitable. It's inevitable because number three, you need to understand even good people get criticized. Good ministries get criticized. Good ideas get criticized. Good people get criticized. You're not the only one that's ever been talked about in life. Are y'all with me? So just, uh, man, there's some more. I, I got so much to say, but I'm going to, number four, surround Surround yourself with positive people. Surround yourself with positive people. I don't hang out with everybody. Matter of fact, there's folks I run from. Because they're not happy unless they're unhappy. And, 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 and they, this is their phrase. I was doing good, but I got over it. There are some people that don't even have a positive post on their battery. I need a witness right there. Don't hang out with them cats. Listen, because all they do, they're going to drain you. And listen, there's a fine line. There's a fine line between a friend and a leech. A leech will suck life out of you and not contribute anything. And if people are constantly sucking the life out of you, the joy out of you, the happiness out of you, and they're not contributing to your life, you need to find a new friend. I'll move right along on that one too, huh? Listen, number five, concentrate on your mission. Concentrate on your mission and change your mistakes. This is so important. This is so, no matter what you do in life, you're going to have somebody that thinks it needs to be done different. I can't tell you how many times, I can't tell you how many times people come as a first time attender, as a first time attender, now I want to shake your hand, I want to get to know you, I want to greet you, I want to pray for your need, I want to pray for your burden, but I don't need a lecture on what we need to change in this church. We are of the philosophy, if it's not broke, don't fix it. It's, it's going pretty good. God's touches in this place, God's favor in this. And I'm, I'm trying to make a point. Here's my point. Everybody, I, I, we get calls all the time. Well, you're doing this and you're not doing this or you should be doing it or you should be doing this. But if I tried to please all the critics, I would lose my mind. You'll never please everybody. So focus on your mission. Focus on your calling. If Jesus is smiling, it don't matter who's frowning. Don't worry about them. I, when people come up to me and they give me suggestions, I should not admit this. Uh, I, I'm going to just do it. And they, they have this idea, and that, well, God bless you. I will pray about that right there. Amen. Bless your heart. Be careful. And I'm not trying to be facetious or arrogant or anything like that. I'm just saying everybody has a plan for your life. Have you all noticed that yet? Everybody has an idea and a plan for your life, but they're not living your life. If Get the will of God and focus on that. How many of y'all have learned and, and you, you, you've, you've been living long enough that God's big enough to get your attention? Have y'all figured that out yet? And God can 
So don't worry about this brother, that sister, this thing. We need to do it this way. Listen, focus on your mission. Stay focused. And if there is a mistake, if there's something in an area that you need to work on, God will let you know. And when he does, fix it. Amen? All right, all right. Number one, everybody's not going to be as excited about your dream as you are. Number two, number two. Here's a, here's a really important thing. Uh, when it comes to your, the fulfillment of your dream, there's always going to be obstacles to your dream. Well, first we find the pit. He's beat up by his brother, stripped of his garment. He's in a pit. Uh, then he's a slave in Potiphar's house. It goes from bad to worse. Now he's in the prison. It seemed like every step of his life, there was a problem that raises up to the fulfillment of his dream. Here's the thing that everybody needs to get. People quit way too easy. People are quitting marriages, people are quitting ministries, people are quitting jobs, people are quitting everything in the world because one little small thing raises up in their life. Don't doubt every dream that's ever been accomplished. There's been an obstacle to get over to get to that dream. Now, I'm going to say this, and, and it, God showed me this in the second service, but, and, and you may not like this, but that's, that's fine. It's not, well, it's not fine. It, 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 either way, just to handle it however you want to handle it. Uh, a lot of us are really hurting our children because we're coming to the rescue too much. We're bailing them out way too much. I, I, I read an illustration of the, the butterfly and the caterpillar in the cocoon. And do you know when that, when that, that caterpillar turns into the butterfly, He's in that cocoon, and that cocoon is tight, and, it's, and, and that butterfly struggles and fights and struggles and fights to get out of that cocoon, and, and, he, and he fights and presses, and, and I mean, it's a battle. I mean, it is a real battle to get out of that cocoon, and, and, and finally, it, there's, a, there's a hole that appears, and, 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 and finally, and it can get stretched, and then finally, it's out, but it's after a fight, an extended fight, an extended battle, an extended struggle for it to be able to fly. Scientists have researched, and, and, and here's what they did. When, when, the, when the butterfly began to make its movement, when the butterfly began to make its struggle to get out of the cocoon, they cut the cocoon open and opened it so the butterfly could just get on out. But guess what? The butterfly died. The butterfly couldn't make it. You know why? Because all of the struggling, all of the fight, all of the battle to get out was just what God designed to build its muscles to survive outside of the cocoon. And what we are doing, we are not allowing our children to fight and to struggle and to go through issues and to go through situations. We're bailing them out all the time, bailing them out all the time so that when they are outside of the cocoon, they do not have the ability to survive out there because they don't know how to deal with an obstacle. And when an obstacle comes, they quit and run home. They quit on their spouses. They quit the job. Why'd you quit? He looked at me funny. How many of y'all have ever heard of the greatest generation? The greatest generation. The World War II generation. Have you ever noticed, have you ever noticed some of the pictures from back in the day? The looks on their faces? Life was a struggle. They were not working hard to buy a bass boat or to, to buy a condo on the beach. They were working to eat. 
And they were strong. And they were committed. And they were, listen, but what made it that way? It was the obstacles they went through. And it was the obstacles that developed them to the point that they could face the impossible. Preacher, what are you saying? I'm saying this, teach your children to overcome things. Look, let me give you an illustration. Beethoven. Beethoven lost his hearing, but was one of the world's greatest composers. He didn't quit. He didn't. And I mean, think about what kind of obstacle being deaf when you're trying to compose music. Thomas Edison, we heard about a while ago. He was fired from his job when a chemical experiment leaked acid onto his boss's desk. However, despite being almost penniless, Edison rose to be the most prolific inventor of his generation. Helen Keller, this is great. She was deaf and blind before her second birthday. Despite this debilitating disability, she learned to read and write and became the first deaf blind person to gain a bachelor's degree. And this is what she said. Although the world is full of suffering, it is full also of the overcoming of it. Did you hear what I said? Although this world is full of suffering, it's also full of the overcoming of it. You know one thing I've learned in life? I may be going through some garbage and I may be going through some hard times and I may be going through some valleys, but I tell you this, I'm not the first one to go through it. I'm not the only one that's gone through what I go through. I'm not the only one that's faced this difficulty. I'm not the only one that's come to this obstacle in my life. I'm not the only one that's faced this river in front of me. If somebody else can do it, bless God, I can do it too. And we get to feeling sorry for ourselves. And we get to whining and complaining and thinking, oh, woe is me. Honey, the choice is yours. You're either going to get up and get over it. Amen. I'm sorry. I just, I have little tolerance. I have little tolerance for whiny people. Because I face and I look people in the eye who have gone through hell and back, and yet they're still persevering. And so I don't have, I don't have a whole lot of patience for people that just want to whine and complain. We can do it. You've never faced anything that somebody else hadn't already faced. Helen Keller said, this world is full of suffering. That's right, but it's also full of the overcoming of it. I've I, I seen this young lady. She's 16 years old, not even 17 yet. She doesn't even turn 17 till next month. Actually, in July. She turned 17 in July. Malala Yousafzai. Malala Yousafzai. She was a Pakistani schoolgirl who was in an area of Pakistan, and her father was an educator. He owned private schools. And so she was able to get an education as she was growing up as a young person. And here, here she is getting an education. Well, the Taliban comes in and takes over the area that she's from. They ban women from any, y'all know how it is. I mean, this ain't a rocket scientist. You, you, you understand? You've been watching the news. They ban women from any kind of uh, places of leadership. They are not allowed. They're banned from education. They could not get an education. Well, she didn't, she didn't take that too kindly. So she stands up to them and, and, and begins to be a voice for the rights of women and the right to an education for young, young girls. Well, she begins to be threatened and, and her family's worried about her and her, her friends are telling her, listen, don't, don't go public with all of this and, and you need to be real careful and that type of thing. She refused. 
She told her father, she said, she said, Father, you told me there were things that's more important than life itself. So she would stand and she would, she would give speeches. She would stand and she would, she would, she would per, you know, proclaim her case. A Taliban terrorist came to where she was giving a speech and shot her in the head. Had every intention in the world to kill her. But miraculously, she survived. And guess what? After that, her voice is louder than it ever was. All over the world, you hear her name and you, you, you see people that are, why? She went through an obstacle. She became the youngest person ever nominated for a Nobel Peace Prize. I just got one question for you. What's your excuse? What dream has God given you that you've quit on? What, what is it that's holding you back from accomplishing something great for God? I'd hate to stand beside her and voice my situation. Wouldn't you? Amen. That was good right there. How about number three? Number one, not everyone will be as excited about your dream as you are. Number two. There will always be obstacles to the fulfillment of your dream. Number three, the dreamer has to be prepared for the dream's fulfillment. The dreamer has to be prepared. Now, this is not a real popular one, but, but this is an important one. When Joseph was 17 years old, he wasn't ready to sit on the throne. I don't care what you think and, and, and whatever age you are. I know when I was 17, I thought I was. See, at that age, we know everything. And that's what I encourage all those that age, since you know everything, get out and get a job and take care of yourself. Amen. But I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I have learned this. The older I get, the smarter my parents were. Amen. Amen. But 17 years old, you, you, you're, just not, you're just not there. Well, guess what? In the pit, God humbled him. Boy, there's a lot I want to say about that, but God... Sometimes he has to break us down to build us up. Amen. And in the pit, God humbled him. In, in Potiphar's house, he learned, he learned to manage affairs. He, he, he learned to manage uh, life and organize and plan and delegate authority. Isn't that amazing? But then in the prison, he, he, he learned to interpret dreams. Guess what? In all of these places, God used these places to develop him into the man he needed to be to accomplish the dream. And you know what happens? Here's how we're going to be different this year than last year. By our education and by our experience. And a lot of times the experience gives you the education. And you're never too old to learn. Brother McCormick, one of my heroes, he's an awesome guy. He's up in years, and, and I got in his truck the other day, and, and in the back of his truck, there was, a, there was an extended cabinet. It was stacked that high in training seminars and DVDs and, and CDs that he'll listen to and learn and train. He loves business and, 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 and real estate and all those type things. And I said, man, you've been in this thing so long. Why are you still? To? He says, the moment you start, you stop learning, you start dying. The moment you stop learning, you start dying. Preacher, what's the point? The experiences that you're going through may be God giving you an education to be ready for the dream that he's got planned for you in the future. And all God's people say it.
Now, here's one thing I want to say about that before I get to the number one point and, and we'll be done, okay? Don't get impatient. Because sometimes the preparation for the dreamer, the process for the preparation requires patience. Joseph received the dream when he was 17. He realized the dream when he was 30. Y'all with me? 13 years of preparation. God took 40 years to prepare Moses. I've been here, I've been here, this October will be 15 years or 14. 15? Long time. And we, we, have, we have people, we have young preachers come here all over. Chad, I'm talking about from Tennessee, Georgia, uh, uh, South Carolina. And they want this. They want all of this. They want, they want what God is doing here. And they want us to sit down and tell them, all right, tell us what to do. Because they want this. But do you realize, do you realize we could tell them everything that we're doing. But that don't mean they're going to get this overnight. Because it takes time. And, 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 and let me, <laughs> a mushroom will develop in hours. An oak tree, it takes years. Do you have a mushroom dream or an oak tree dream? Y'all with me? Lastly, lastly, here it is, number, number four, the one y'all been waiting on. The, the, the favorite point of every Baptist congregation amen in closing let's say number four we see not everybody's going to be as excited about our dream as we are number two uh, uh there's always going to be obstacles in between us and the dream number three sometimes we need to be patient during the preparation period so we will be prepared for the dream then number four you've got to get this please i'll save you a thousands of dollars and listen you don't have to listen to oprah you don't have to listen to uh, uh, dr oz or, or dr phil or you don't you don't have to go buy no more books about the secret of happiness okay i'm gonna lay it on you right here and i'm not gonna charge you a dime all right i'm gonna save you tons of money you, you can stay out of the bookstore stay out of it. here is the secret to joy fulfillment happiness at the end of this story at the end of the story we find joseph sitting on the throne he looks like an Egyptian. He talks like an Egyptian. He has the full culture of the Egyptian. Now he's sitting here on the throne doing his thing. And guess who walks through the door? His brothers. Now he recognizes them, but they didn't recognize him. Now I'm going to just, this a little commercial, but I'll tell you this. If I was Joseph, I'd have messed with him a little bit. Are y'all with me? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. They'd have paid for that pit experience. Amen. Anyway, he sees them. He sees them. They don't recognize him. And I make a long story short, he reveals himself to them after a process. Well, I guess he did mess with them a little bit, amen? Uh, but they're, 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 they're really afraid. Oh, my gosh. How would you like to be the one to beat up your brother, throw him in a pit, threaten to kill him, sell him as a slave, and now he's standing there and he's the king? And this is what Joseph said. This is, this is the number one point. Please don't miss this. He said, guys, it's all good. Don't worry about it. You meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. God, now watch, watch. Here it is, here it is. God sent me here to deliver you 
and bring a great deliverance, a posterity. In other words, I came because there's a lot of people going to die if I didn't sit on this throne. If I hadn't prepared in the seven years of plenty for the seven years of famine, there's going to be a bunch of people die. Now, here's, here's the point. Don't ever forget, your dream is not about you. It's about the betterment of mankind. Your dream is not about you. God doesn't give you a dream. God did not give a 17-year-old kid a dream of being a king so one day he could ride around in a Bentley. That's, that's, that's not the purpose of the dream. It wasn't, so, it wasn't so he could have the best of this and the best of that. That, that was not. Now, he had that. He rode, he rode around a chair with spinners on it. Say amen right there. He's the king. Now, that's fine. But that wasn't the purpose of the dream. The purpose of the dream was to deliver man around him. You say, what's the point? When you learn, when you learn that your life is not here to be spent on what people can do for you, but what you can do for people. Jesus gave the perfect illustration right before he died. He had spent three and a half years trying to convince and teach his disciples what the deal was, and they still wasn't getting it. They were still worrying and fussing and fighting and carry on about who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom. And he got down, took his outer coat off, girded himself in a towel, and got down and did what? He did what? The master of the universe. Washed feet. The job of the slave, the job of the servants. The king humbled himself and served others. And this is what he said. He said, you see, you see what I did? You know who I am? Oh, yeah, you're the master. You're the king. You're the son of God. You're the creator. You see what I did? Oh, yeah. We're kind of wondering about that. He said, this is what you need to understand. If I be in your Lord and master do this you need to do this with each other and then he said this this is the this is the kicker right here and happy are ye if ye do this you know what he was saying listen this culture this american culture in this world and satan wants you to think you're going to be happy if somebody washes your feet if somebody comes and does for you if somebody comes and serves you or if people do other things for you and he said nope True happiness and joy and fulfillment is when you live your life for others. It is more blessed, say it with me, it is more blessed to than to. Your dream is not about you. Your dream is so much bigger. Man, I wish I had more time. Listen, don't give up on your dream. Don't listen to critics. Don't stop when obstacles come in your life. Don't get impatient with God when you're going through processes that you don't understand, processes that are frustrating and irritating, and things start happening that you don't understand. God's got a plan. And he may be preparing you for the fulfillment of your dream. And never forget, no matter where you land up in life, that your life is not your own. That you're here for others. And all God's people say it.
Father, thank you, Lord, for your blessings, your mercy, your kindness. Oh, God, help us. Help us, Lord. I pray that you'll just, Lord, speak to our hearts. I pray, God, that you'll just touch every person in this room. God, especially the young people. God, I want them to leave with an, an anticipation of accomplishing something great for you. I pray that your will be done in this invitation. I pray that you'll move. Bless all the graduates from yesterday, today, and this week. Lord, they're going to be receiving a diploma, and they're going out in the real world. God, I pray that they'll, they'll dream on. God, I pray they won't let the world suck them dry of their hopes and their desires and their dreams. I pray that they won't let critics stop them 